before we came out here, I was an internet help desk technician. And I worked with a variety of people from all kinds of religious and political backgrounds. And I was one of the few Christians on my shift, uh, really in my department, and, and openly talked about my faith, my belief. I read my Bible on duty when I, had the t- when I was in between calls. And I would share the gospel with people when I was given an opportunity. Because of that, I had a lot of spiritual conversations with the people I worked with. And one day, a co-worker asked me about a particular moral and biblical issue that was kind of just burgeoning at that time to be something that society would have to deal with. She wanted to know my take on it and what I thought. So I pulled out my Bible and I began to explain what what the Bible said about this particular issue. And, And after... I had laid out my case and used quite a bit of scripture. She looked away from me. She lifted her head a little bit. She sniffed and she said, well, I don't know much about the Bible, but I know it says not to judge. And that sure sounds like judging to me. And with that sentence, everything that I had said was completely dismissed. And I was labeled by her a judgmental Christian. Now, I'm not likely to be the only person in here that's had that experience. If you've had this happen, you know that once the J word has been thrown out, nothing else matters. Right? You have lost the discussion. It is over. Because in our culture, the absolute worst thing you could possibly be is a judgmental Christian. Right? Judgmental Christians are blamed for everything. Why do churches split? Judgmental Christians. Why is the church in America declining? Judgmental Christians. Why does global warming exist? Judgmental Christians. What's going to cause the zombie apocalypse? Judgmental Christians. I mean, judgmental Christians are the reason for everything that is wrong and bad in our world. And so there are many bumper stickers that exist to express this. Don't judge me because I sin differently than you do. That's a popular concept. Real Christians don't judge. Interestingly enough, made by a company that is not Christian, but I'm just going to toss that out there and move on. This is my favorite. Only God can judge me. Right? That's a, that's the big one. Certainly takes you out of the running since you're not God. Now, since no one wants to be one of those Christians, I mean, nobody wants to, to be seen as judgmental. So what we end up doing is we, we tend to become accepting of anything and everything. Any teaching is, is Christian. Any lifestyle is acceptable because Jesus said, do not judge. It's there it, Matthew 7, 1. That's where we're going to be in just a minute. It is there. But I wonder, is that really what Jesus meant? When Jesus said, judge not, did he mean that we can never say that anything is always right? Did he mean that we can never say anything is always wrong? I mean, is there any way to make a righteous judgment? To say in a righteous way, this is always right. This is always wrong. Let's look at what Jesus actually had to say to answer those questions today. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. It's page 738 if you have a pew Bible. And I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word once you find that. Here's Jesus speaking. Judge not, 
that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The title of the message is, Don't Judge Me. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise. Worthy of our devotion. Father, we come today to look at what is a touchy subject in our culture. We know that Jesus indeed said, judge not lest you be judged. And our culture wants us to understand that to mean we can never, never even say, thus saith the word of God. We just have to let everything go and let everything be okay. But God, at the same time, while we know that doesn't seem to be the case for what Jesus meant, we know that he obviously meant something. He did mean Judge not, lest you be judged. So God, today we want to understand not only what Jesus didn't mean, but what He did mean. Father, today we want Your Word to be the authority in our lives. We want Your Spirit to take it and reveal truth and issues in our hearts that need to be dealt with. God, if there's someone here today, and and Lord, they're the real Christians don't judge mindset, and And they've embraced this idea that no one could ever say that something is wrong. Open their hearts to receive what your word really says. Let it strengthen them and let it draw them to Jesus. God, if there are folks here today that are judgmental, for that is a thing. Then Lord, you deal with them about that today. You, You prick their hearts with your word. You bring them to repentance for their judgmental attitude and change their hearts and change their lives. We do want your spirit to be the spirit of truth that reveals all the things that come from Jesus to us today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Guide me that I would not be a hindrance, not in my attitude, not in my words, not in anything. What we need today is to hear. We need to hear Jesus from his word, not not me. So hide me behind the cross and let me just point us to Christ and his word. And use it to do what needs to be done in all of our lives. And we'll give you all the praise for you alone deserve it. We ask this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. But you may be seated. So as we start off, we see that Jesus clearly says, Judge not that you be not judged. But that does bring us back to the question. Does that really mean that we can never make any sort of a judgment call about whether or not something is right Or wrong? Well, let's broaden our scope beyond Matthew 7 and 1. Now, because of time, we won't look at a lot of passages, but but let's just look at Matthew chapter 7 for a minute. Just one chapter. And let's see, does the interpretation, judge not lest you be judged, that means you can never say something's right, you can never say anything's wrong, does that hold water just with Matthew 7? So look at verse 6. 
Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, that seems like a judgment call to me. And in light of the context, it, it is talking about not, not so much really dogs and pigs, but, but different kinds of people. That, that some people have such a, a low view of what is holy and what is sacred that they would trample it underfoot and they would attack you for sharing it. So the point that Jesus is making, it seems, is that when we go to share the gospel with people, we have to determine what kind of people they are. Are they people that would accept it, that would embrace it, that would hear it? Or, or are they people that would not appreciate it in any way and they would trample it underfoot and they might even attack us? And once we judge what kind of people they are, we're actually supposed to judge whether or not we're even supposed to share the gospel with them. That, that's, a, that's a judgment call. But look down at verse 13. There's more. Enter at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Again, there sure seems to be a judgment call there. We're supposed to judge between a a narrow gate and a broad gate as an entrance for our life. We're, we're supposed to judge between the, the broad way and the narrow way as a way to live our life. We're even supposed to judge the end of the, death, of the, of the path that we choose. Is it a path of life or is it a path to death? Those are all judgment calls in that verse. Look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We're supposed to judge between true and false teachers. Because apparently not everyone who comes in the name of the Lord is really preaching Jesus. It seems that some are wolves in sheep's clothing who are seeking to devour and we're not only supposed to judge whether it's a true or a false teacher, but we're supposed to judge the fruit of those teachers. Well, look at verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. So now we're supposed to, to judge between different kinds of fruit in people's life. Is it a good fruit or is it a bad fruit? And from that judgment, we can even are supposed to make a judge about the root of that tree. Is it if it's a bad fruit, then it comes from a bad root. And there's even a judgment about the end result that that tree will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now look at verse 
24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. We're supposed to judge between different foundations to build our lives upon. And what will happen as we build our lives upon the different foundations that we choose. And that's just Matthew 7. Right? This doesn't even take into consideration many other places in Scripture that say things similar to this. Where we are told explicitly to make judgment calls about whether or not something is right or it's wrong. This is just Jesus. And I focused on just Jesus because often the idea is since Jesus said not to judge, Jesus was like uber accepting. Jesus modeled that we ought not ever say anything's wrong or anything's always right. And yet, unless there is something wrong with Jesus, right, unless he is somehow confused, unless he is somehow conflicted, or unstable in his mind. He cannot mean in verse 1 never to make a judgment call. Because after saying that he proceeds to tell us to make several judgment calls. So Jesus cannot mean never ever say something is always right. Jesus Cannot mean never say something is always wrong. Just from Jesus in one chapter. We have to conclude that the common interpretation of this passage is not true. It's not right. So what does Jesus mean since he clearly does mean something? Jesus forbids judgment. That is hypocritical in nature, self-righteous in origin, that tears others down as its purpose. Jesus forbids judgment that is hypocritical in nature. Judgment that, that says one thing, but does something different in its own life. Jesus forbid judgment that is hypocritical in nature and self-righteous in origin. But judgment that says, I'm better than you, so I have the right to put you down. I have the right to point out all that's wrong in your life. Jesus forbids judgment that is hypocritical in nature, self-righteous in origin, that tears others down as its purpose. The point... Of the negative things being said is just to tear someone down. Just to put them in their place. Just to make sure other people know what kind of person they really are. Then that is something that Jesus indeed has forbidden. So how do we make sure that we aren't being hypocritical? We aren't being self-righteous. 
and we aren't just trying to tear others down in our judgment. Well, first we have to judge carefully. To understand this passage, we kind of have to understand the situation of the day. In Jesus' time, judging by the religious leaders had become the religious pastime. The scribes and the Pharisees were self-righteous, they were arrogant, and they sat themselves in the place of the critic, passing judgment on anyone and everyone who did not live up to their expectations. The problem with this is that it was overly critical. It was self-righteous. Its purpose was not to help people live for the Lord. Its purpose was simply to chew people up and to tear them down, to, to make people look bad and feel bad. It was an attitude that expected the worst and rejoiced when it found that worst. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So when Jesus says to judge not... He's not forbidding His disciples from saying that something is always right or something is always wrong. Instead, He is forbidding His disciples from being hypocritical, self-righteous Pharisees who take pleasure in tearing people apart. So how do we guard ourselves from doing what Jesus has forbidden and judge carefully? Well, first I think we ought to judge actions And not motives. We have to be very careful when we begin to assign motives to people's actions. I mean, we should, or people's, yeah, motives for people's actions, we should judge the actions, examine the actions. That's a part of what Jesus is talking about in these passages. But the reality is, we cannot fully discern someone else's motives. We may have opinions. And we may have guesses, but ultimately the only person who knows their motive is them. Now let me say something. I want to toss this in really quick. Can I I present to you that the reason we often, that judgmental people, not we because it's not us, it's those other people. The reason that judgmental people assign bad motives to what others do because we have bad motives with what we do. But what's the old saying? To a thief, everyone's a thief. When I assign a, a bad motive, well, they're just trying to show off. They just want people to see them. They just do that. How often is that really just a reflection of our hearts and why we do what we do? We can't judge another person's motives because we don't know. But God knows their motives. And, and the Bible tells us that God will judge. The secrets of men. Right? That's their motives. Right? God has the ability to do what we cannot do. He can judge motives. He can accurately examine someone's heart. And one day He will. One day He will examine the secret motives of all people. And if their motives were wrong, God will handle that in ways that are far more serious than anything we could do. So we have to judge actions and not motives and leave the judging of motives to God. Secondly, ensure Scripture is the standard for judgment. This is huge. 
The standard for judging whether or not something is right or wrong is Scripture. Right? It's not our traditions. And it's not our preferences. And it's not our convictions. And it is not our raising. Just because it's always been done that way does not make it right. Not biblically right. Scripture alone is the standard for determining right and wrong. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Your opinion has not been inspired by God for these things. My opinion has not been inspired by God for these things. Your preferences have not been inspired by God for these things. My preferences have not been inspired by God for these things. Your raisin has not been inspired by God for these things. And my raisin has not been inspired by God for these things. Only Scripture. It is my experience that most critical and judgmental people are critical and judgmental about things that have nothing to do with Scripture. And this was a problem with the Pharisees. They often judged according to their age-old traditions. Now take some time this week and read Matthew 15, verses 1 through about 20. And see how Jesus dealt with that. He was not pleased. One thing that will keep us from having a hypocritical, self-righteous attitude is to ask myself, do I believe this is wrong because of what Scripture teaches? Or because of my preferences, my traditions, and my raising. Just because it differs with what we like, and what we've always done, that does not make it biblically wrong. Thirdly, when in doubt, leave judgment out. If we do our very best to judge carefully by examining actions and not motives, keeping Scripture as the standard, we may still be wrong. Have you ever been wrong? Have you ever made a judgment about someone and later found out that you were so far off base it was embarrassing? I know you have because we all have. We can always end up being wrong. Right? And, and that we need the humility to understand. My perception of events may not be perfect. My perception of the actions may be inaccurate. My personal opinion about the person could cloud my judgment. So, since I could be wrong, maybe I should be careful. And if I'm going to err, I'll err on the side of grace. And I'll err on the side of mercy. And I'll err on the side of letting God judge what needs to be judged. This is such an important passage. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. 
so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now this passage primarily deals with the exercise of Christian liberty, but there is a significant application for us on this point. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother or your sister? And just for humility's sake, underline, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And over the top, or maybe in a note, write, we shall not stand before the judgment seat and write your name. And you realize that in the end of all things, not one person on this planet will give an account to you or me for how they've lived their lives. Even beyond that, at the judgment seat of Christ, he is not going to say, Stacy, why didn't you judge Scott Moore? He was doing all this stuff and I couldn't get through to him. Perhaps you could have gotten through where I couldn't. God is not going to hold me accountable for the things that you have done. He's not going to hold you accountable for the things someone else has done. When we're not sure, it is so much better just to leave the judgment to God. For His opinion is never skewed. His mindset is never clouded. And our God is awesome. And if He wants someone to know if they're wrong, He can show them far better than we can. And if they don't listen to God, make no mistake, they will not listen to us. When in doubt, leave the judgment out. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we are not, under any circumstances, just supposed to accept anything and everything is okay. Jesus does not give us permission to do that. We are supposed to make judgment calls. But if this judgment is hypocritical in nature, self-righteous in origin, and just tears people down as its purpose, it is sin. And so we must judge carefully. A question to ask is, would I want to be judged by the standard I'm using? Now look at verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. Do you want the judgment you use on others to be used on you by others? You know, it's often hard. To be objective as to whether or not we're judging carefully. Because so often what we do is we excuse our motives. And we don't give that grace to other people. So we, we have a problem seeing. That's what we should do is ask. Would I want that person, if I'm judging Scott, would I want Scott then to turn around and judge me in the exact same way, by the exact same standard that I'm using? Here's what I can tell you for me. I do not want anyone to judge my motives because you don't know. And I don't want you to judge me by your preferences and your traditions and your raising. 
absolutely want you to err on the side of grace and mercy. I have a relationship with God. I talk to Him daily. If I'm wrong, my Father can show me. And I absolutely only want Scripture to be used to judge me in these things. And if that's what I want from you, how hypocritical is it me not to give that to you? I mean, what, what, what's the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them to do unto you. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you want what I want when it comes to being judged. You don't want me to judge you, judge your motives. You don't want me to judge based on my preferences, my traditions and my raising. You, you want me when I'm in doubt to just leave it between you and God because you have a relationship with God and you talk to him. And your father is more than able to show you when you're off base. And you, you're here because you want Scripture to be the authority. So if you want that for yourself, that's what you've got to give to others. How many times do we have one standard for ourselves and our families and our loved ones and then a different standard for other people? You know, the reality is that that standard is fine. The, the different standard, that's fine so long as the standard for ourselves and our families and our loved ones is higher. If I hold myself to a higher standard than I hold you to, that's fine to have a differing standard. But what's sinful is to have a standard for me that's way down here and a standard for you that's way up there. That's a hypocrite. That's sin. And it's nothing else. But unfortunately, this is the way many people live. My children are tired, but theirs are just brats. I've had a bad day and don't feel like talking, but they are just rude. I'm just saying, but they're gossiping. And let me kind of toss this out. It's a general rule of thumb. If you end what you say negative about someone with, I'm just saying. What you said is absolutely what Jesus is forbidding. Before I can make a judgment call about someone else, I must honestly answer the question. Would I want to be judged by the same standard I'm about to judge them by? And if the answer is no, then I must withhold my judgment. Or I must at least be honest with myself and admit I am the self-righteous, judgmental hypocrite Jesus is talking about in this passage. Thirdly, judge myself first. Judge carefully. Ask if I want to be judged by the same standard. And then judge myself first. Why do you look at a speck in your brother's eye and don't consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. 
hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now this was a major problem among the the Pharisees and their self-righteous judgment. Not only was it overly critical, but it was extremely hypocritical. They looked at themselves and their lives through rose-colored glasses. They looked at others, criticism and judgment. And Jesus is opposed to this type of hypocrisy. Sadly, often we are more concerned about the flaws in others than we are about the flaws in our own life. Sadly, we are so focused on the flaws in others that we miss or ignore the flaws in our own life. Truly, we are this way for selfish reasons. It makes us feel better about ourselves. If we have problem with sin in our own lives, it takes a little bit of pressure off to point the finger at others for a while. It makes our sin seem not so bad so long as I can find someone doing what I perceive to be a worse sin than them. Jesus' warning is deal with your own junk before you begin to deal with someone else. Now, I don't think the idea of a plank and a speck means that our sin is a worse sin. I think instead he's talking about referring or appointing ourselves the official speck inspectors for the world. Right? Because if my time is spent on pointing out the faults and the flaws in others, I have no time left to deal with my own faults and my own flaws. And that is the real danger of judging. The reality is we're all sinners. Some are sinners saved by grace and others are sinners that have yet to be saved by grace. But we are all sinners. And as sinners, we have to work to overcome our sins. And the only sin in the whole world that we're accountable for. It's our own. And the only sin we can really overcome is our own. And so those should command our greatest attention. Jesus says that we must start by examining ourselves. And we examine ourselves by Asking and honestly answering questions like this. Am I being honest about my own issues? It is so easy to see the faults and the flaws in others while ignoring our own faults and our own flaws. And we don't have to be perfect before we can make judgment calls about things. But we do have to be honest about our, our lives, ourselves and what's going on. We have to admit that we also have faults and flaws, that that we sin. One of my big pet peeves in in our day is that people make mistakes, but they don't sin. Like politicians, they cheat on their spouses, and then they come on TV and what do they say? I have made a terrible mistake. No, friend, you have sinned against an awesome God. Part of Being honest about our issues is 
is going from saying, I have flaws, to I have sin issues. To saying, there are character things about me that aren't as they should be. To saying, my heart is not always right with God. We have to own that our sin is sin. And our sin, though it may be different, it is as serious as theirs. Right? That, that we are not better than them, whoever they are. That's humility. That, that humbles us. If we are not being honest about our own issues, then we must humble ourselves or we must withhold judgment. We must just be honest and say we are self-righteous, judgmental hypocrites that Jesus was talking to here. Secondly, am I actively trying to correct my own issues? It is one thing to know I have issues. It is something quite different to actively work to fix them. And if we are not careful, we become expert excusers. That's just how I am. Well, everyone in my family is like that. It's not as bad as it could be. Well, nobody's perfect. Whatever our excuses, they are just that excuses. And an excuse is nothing more than a lame attempt to justify our unwillingness to correct the sinful issues we have in our lives. So before I can begin to pick out the speck in someone else's eye, I've got to be jerking on the plank that's in mine. I've got to be working to get that out of my I've got to ask, am I trying to correct it or am I simply justifying it? And if I am not trying to correct it, I must try to correct it. Or I must withhold judgment. Or I must just honestly accept that I am the self-righteous, judgmental Pharisee that Jesus is talking about here. Yes, we have to make judgment calls. But we must judge ourselves first. Because judgment that is hypocritical in nature, self-righteous in origin, tears down others as its purpose, it is a sin. Always. And then lastly, I just want to kind of end with some characteristics of a judgmental person. Typically when when we as conservative Christians focus on this passage, we, we talk about all that judgment is not. And we neglect to mention what being judgmental is. Because Jesus clearly meant something with judge not. So we need to know not only what it's not, but what it is. So here are some characteristics of a judgmental person. A judgmental person can and usually will find something wrong With everyone. One of the attributes of a judgmental person is the ability to take anything someone says or does in the worst possible way. A judgmental person looks for ways to criticize, condemn, and find fault. Let me give you an example. A pastor friend of mine in Texas had a no turnaround sign zone, or no turnaround zone sign in his parking lot. One day a guy was driving by his church and whipped in there to 
make a phone call. And after he made his phone call, he saw the no turnaround sign. And he called and he left this message on his answering machine. This is a direct quote. A church like yours doesn't need the signage in the parking lot that says no turnaround zone. Because that's exactly what we want people to do. To turn their life around and give their lives to Christ. So it definitely should be a turnaround zone. It's your church. But I would strongly suggest that you take that sign down. And you may see your worship attendance numbers grow. You may see your salvations go up because of it. God can definitely work in a turnaround zone. That's the mindset of a judgmental person. I mean, how hard do you have to be looking for something wrong to see a sign in the parking lot and make a spiritual application that what he means is no one can change. No one can be turned around. That's the guy Jesus is talking about here. Looking for a way to take it in the worst possible way. And finds a way to take it in the worst possible way. Judgmental people make assumptions about the character, the nature, the devotion, the life about others. Now their, their assumptions are always negative. They're fake. Well, there's just something wrong with them. They're just not trustworthy. Stuff like that. And then because they're judgmental, they begin to look for stuff the people do that supports that assumption. She was smiling while you were looking at her, but when you turned around, she stopped. So fake. Did you see the way he kept his hand in his pocket while you were talking? Who does that? That's weird. There's just something wrong with him. I heard her telling someone, it seemed like she was trying to whisper. I bet you she was telling a secret somebody told. You can't trust her. These examples are somewhat laughable, but they do illustrate the mindset of a judgmental person. What makes a person judgmental? Several things I would say. One would be insecurity. Some people are judgmental because they're insecure about themselves. Pointing out the flaws and the failures, whether real or perceived, and others, it makes them feel better about their life and the decisions they've made. Legalism is a reason some people are judgmental. Some people are judgmental about secondary issues, or they're judgmental because they're legalistic about secondary issues. Now, we're not talking the inspiration of Scripture, the deity of Christ, but issues of preference and conviction. Legalistic people are so sure they're right about everything and they're so rigid in their beliefs that anyone who does not hold the exact same preferences, the exact same convictions as them is wrong, worthy of condemnation, criticism, and ridicule. Self-righteousness is an issue. Some judgmental people are self-righteous. Self-righteous people are just better than everyone else. So this not only causes them to be judgmental, it makes it okay Since I'm better than you, I can obviously point out all that's wrong with you. Some people are judgmental just because they enjoy it. The sad reality is there are people in this world that just take pleasure in ripping other people apart. Some are judgmental because they're bitter about stuff that's happened or not happened in their lives. 
the old saying says, hurt people, hurt people. There are likely many other reasons, but I think you could sum them all up by saying a judgmental person, people are judgmental because their hearts are not right with God. Judgmental people need to repent of their judgmental attitude and confess it to God as sin. Because that's exactly what it is. Anytime you do what Jesus has said not to do, that is a sin. A few will admit they're judgmental. And most of those who might admit it do it as a chuckle and a joke. But I don't think Jesus intends for it to be a chuckle and a joke. I think a question that we could all ask ourselves to find out if we're judgmental is this. Do I have something negative to say about pretty much everyone? Think about what you say about others on a normal daily basis. Are your words typically filled with criticism and fault finding? If so, your heart is not right with your God. You need to repent. And you need to confess it. As sin. Because that's what it is. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second. When it comes to judging, there are three sins we can be guilty of committing. One is judging. When Jesus said, judge not, he really was forbidding judgment. It was hypocritical in nature, self-righteous in origin, that tears others down as its purpose. Being judgmental is not just how you were raised. It's not just how you are. And it's not okay. Not ever. It is a sin. And make no mistake, you are not being faithful to Christ Until you treat it as a sin. It is a sin you must confess. It is a sin that you must repent of. But praise God. It is a sin you can be forgiven for through Jesus. The second sin associated with judging is the fear of man. The fear of man keeps us from ever saying that anything is wrong. We are so afraid of being called judgmental or making people unhappy that we comfort them in their sin and their unbelief by refusing to call sin, sin and refusing to say they must repent and believe in Jesus. We hide it with spiritual terms like it's not my place to judge. But the reality is this is not kindness. This is not gentleness. This is not compassion. This is sin. And you cannot be faithful to Christ until you treat it as a sin. It is a sin you must confess. It is a sin you must repent of. And it is a sin that you can be forgiven of through Jesus. The third sin associated with judging is just rebellion. Rebellion is seen when You do what God has clearly said you shall not do. And you dismiss anyone, anything anyone says that contradicts your choices. Because Jesus said judge not. 
may say only God can judge me. And that's true. What you've got to realize is God has judged through Scripture. And your rejection of Scripture is a rejection of God's authority over your life and a rejection of God Himself. It's not freedom. It's not a special deal you have with God. It is sin. And you will not be faithful to Christ until you treat it as a sin. It is a sin you must confess. It is a sin you must repent of. And it's a sin you can be forgiven of through Jesus. So we're going to take a minute and pray. If you've recognized the sin of judgment in your nature, in your life, use this time to confess it to God. Seek His forgiveness and His power to change you. If you've recognized the sin of fear of man in your life, use this time to confess it to God. Seek His forgiveness and His power to give you courage. And if you've recognized the sin of your rebellion, use this time to confess it to the Lord. Seek His forgiveness and His power to change you. Let's pray.